Well, good evening. Good to have you all here. And um, I asked earlier, kind of informally, if anyone was here for the first time, but um, there's more of you that have come. I'm just curious how many people are here for the first time. Wow, we got probably almost 10 people, maybe 10 or 11 people here for the first time. Um, so welcome. Um, this is um, Young Urban Zen at City Center, also known as Beginner's Mind Temple. Um, beginner's mind being the, the mind of the beginner that is open to possibility, not necessarily um, where everyone begins to study Zen, um, which is what I thought for the first six months I was coming here. But um, we just had a, um, a national holiday yesterday um, celebrating the life of Martin Luther King Jr., and in this series here at Young Urban Zen, the last few weeks, we have been studying the precepts. And there's 16 precepts. And um, Kodo and Zach, the last two speakers, were talking about some of the precepts. And I want to talk about one of the precepts tonight. And it's very tied to the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm going to tie that up in a little bit. But first... I want to just talk about the beginning of this, which is, have you ever worried about your reputation? You ever worried about what people thought of you? Whether it be friends, whether it be at school, whether it be an application for a college, whether it be for a job, whether it be in family, whether it be at a church or a temple, whether it be just riding the bus and the way people are looking at you. Have you ever worried about what people thought of you, your reputation? We all have. We've all, we've all had that thing where we, we're worried about our reputation in some sort of way, a small way, a big way, a small way, a big way, little micro ways where we kind of want credit for something and we're not necessarily getting credit for it. And we kind of feel like maybe in this situation, I kind of need some credit you know, whether it's at my job or at my school or maybe it's just with my, my roommates or whether it's with my family, I need a little bit of credit. And, 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 I, and I did a good thing. And no, one, no one's noticing. And, and wait a second. Wait a second. How come, how come I'm not getting credit? What is it like to let go of protecting ourself? What kind of freedom can come from that. Is it safe? Can I let go of protecting myself? Can I let go of, I mean, we're in the age of self-promotion, all the different ways to promote yourself and to build a brand and to, you know, can I let go in some sort of way, in a healthy way, in a way that's not detrimental or bad with boundaries, but can I let go of the self-promotion, of the wanting credit, or just the desire that, people notice or that people know me as this certain thing and know you have it wrong. That's not me. That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. No, no, no. That's not me. This and really, really, really tied up in protecting the self, in protecting the reputation and, and having as an end result that's unintended by that, really being controlled by whether or not people like me. F 
Fearlessness is the result of letting go of self. And letting go of self in a healthy way, which is what I'm going to talk about tonight. I mean, wouldn't it be great to be fearless? You know, they have that exercise where someone stands up and you do that team building where they kind of fall backward and then everyone has to like catch the person and you learn to trust your teammates on the big retreat at work and that kind of thing, you know. And so, you know, you have that, you have the falling and being caught, the falling and being caught. What if you were able to practice fearlessness in little micro ways all the time, all day long? What would that be like? How would you approach situations? If you could just over and over again let go of the reputation, let go of what other people think, let go of getting credit. What if we could let go of that? There's a precept that I want to talk about tonight that's in the list of the ten grave precepts. And they probably went through and talked about the, um, the list of the precepts. Um, but just as a refresher, the precepts, we have three refuges. There's 16 precepts, but three of them are refuges, which are I take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Buddha as the teacher and how he lived, Dharma as the teachings, and Sangha as how to be with other people that are practicing. You learn just as much from that as you do from the Dharma. Then the three pure precepts. I vow to refrain from all evil. I vow to make every effort to live in enlightenment. I vow to live and be lived for the benefit of all beings. And that's what Zach went through last week, were the three pure precepts. And then in the ten grave precepts, I vow not to kill, I vow not to take what is not given, I vow not to misuse sexuality, I vow to refrain from false speech, I vow to refrain from intoxicants, I vow not to slander, I vow not to be avaricious, I vow not to harbor ill will, I vow not to disparage the three treasures, that's Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, so it goes back up to the three refuges. And then the one that I want to talk about tonight that ties in, I think, very nicely with Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. And that is, I vow not to praise self at the expense of others. I vow not to praise self at the expense of others. Another way it's listed sometimes is, I vow not to praise self and disparage others. I vow not to promote myself and try to keep others down. But how many times in life has the inclination been there where it's like, I really need the credit. I really want the credit. My reputation is what I'm really concerned about here. This is really important. I vow not to praise self and disparage others. Thinking about that just for one day can be really enlightening with just how much that um, I want to say that my idea was better. And by the way, I had it before he mentioned it. And um, the vision that I've had for the team for a long time has been something that you all haven't bought into. But now everyone's starting to see that it's the real thing.
This is essentially being worried about reputation as a goal. Reputation is a result. It is not a goal. Now, you can make it a goal, but your reputation is what will happen as a way of living, as a way of being. Do I need to have praise and recognition and credit while others don't deserve this? Or can I actually find a way to live and be with other people where I have infinite social capital? I'm not stingy. I do not have a reservoir that's small. And I'm too worried that I need... You ever, you ever been around someone that's just succeeded so much at so many things that they really don't care like what people think of them and they're plenty fine with giving other people credit and they're just like, you know, oh yeah, no, I totally messed that up. No, that was my fault. I get that wrong all the time. You know, it's just kind of like the attitude that, you know, if you were in high school and you had somebody who was on, the, on a sports team and they were captain of the sports team, you know, and this um, gal or guy was, you know, someone everybody liked. And let's say they're even good looking, you know. And they get good grades, you know. So they're good looking. They get good grades. People like them. They're the captain of a sports team, you know. And they're walking through the lunchroom and they trip and fall and they drop their tray, you know. They'd probably get up and laugh about it, you know. Their friends would tease them and push them and whatever. So what? I've got infinite social capital. I don't have to be like, you know, well, the floor was wet. Somebody had the rug up a little bit over there. That person had their foot out. I tripped on that person's backpack. How much do we kind of do that? And we live our lives almost as though we're the person in that situation that doesn't have any social capital. We're the person that's not that popular and doesn't really know many people and maybe even is made fun of a little bit. And then we trip and drop our tray. Well, if we're living life like that, there's a real tightness. We don't want people to have noticed. We need credit. We need to make certain that people knew about why it happened. You know, do something to distract people, whatever it is, because it matters. The reservoir of social capital is small, and it's just been depleted. Martin Luther King Jr. was someone that over and over again made choices that potentially made his life a lot harder and could have made people like him a lot less over and over and over again. And he was presented with many opportunities to live a really powerful, respected life without really being worried about his safety. And he didn't take those opportunities, and he kept stepping back into the thing that was relevant for the moment. And the only way you can do that is you need to be living life with kind of like this, old, this, uh, this vastness of generosity in regard to your social capital. You aren't tied to being liked. You aren't being worried so much about what other people think of you. I mean, here's a person at the height of the civil rights movement where living in the South, in the rural South, 
in places like Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi, that, that was like a place that if you didn't have to be there, it's good not to be. And if you did have to be there, you really don't want to be the one that's sticking your neck out. But he wasn't stuck there. He was raised in Atlanta, and then he goes, and he goes to the north. And he gets his graduate degree in theology in Pennsylvania, and then he moves to Boston. And in Boston, he starts a theology degree. Systematic theology at Boston University, and he's auditing classes at Harvard. And the, the 12th Baptist Boston Church is like a historic church in Boston. And he starts going there, and he's already well-schooled in public um, speaking, and everyone loves him. He becomes the assistant pastor of the 12th Avenue Boston um, um, Baptist Church in Boston. And he could have stayed there in the north. Now, Boston had its own problems at that time. You can, the legendary basketball player Bill Russell died this year, and he talks a lot about the racism that he experienced in the city of Boston. But even that would have been better than going back to Birmingham, Alabama, to the Jim Crow South, to places that were segregated. He had the opportunity to live an honorable, respected life, being probably one day the pastor of the 12th, of the 12th Baptist Church in Boston. He would have had a good reputation. People would have loved him. He would have had all sorts of people that knew him. But he wouldn't have been right in the heart of everything. And then he just decides in 1955, after he gets his degree in theology, his Ph.D., he goes back to the South and he starts leading boycotts of buses and starts giving all sorts of speeches and starts organizing people. One person stabs him. One person attempts to bomb his house. He does some things in regard to nonviolence, which now is something that we study a lot with Kingian nonviolence. And there were people in the black community that were very upset because they didn't think that that was the right way to go. And so he had people in the black community upset with him. He had a lot of people in the white community upset with him. How do you do something like that and just keep going with a spirit that seems to be just constantly rejuvenated? optimistic. It's someone who's fearless. It's somebody who has let go of being liked, of getting the credit. It's somebody who has infinite social capital for the thing that's going on right now around them and is able to step forward and see more clearly about what the moment is asking for. What is the moment asking for? It's really difficult to know how to step into moments until we've let go of ourself. When we start to let go of ourself, and when I say let go of ourself, I mean in a healthy way. There is nothing wrong with putting together a resume and trying to get a job. There is no, nothing wrong with you know, somebody saying, you know, was this your idea, and you saying yes. There's nothing wrong with getting up and trying to promote an idea and give a vision to folks. There's nothing wrong with that. But inside, we know. We know what it's like to be us. Are we more like the person that has no social capital and really needs credit for things? Are we somebody who's empowering? That the people around us 
say that because of Michael's presence, I feel it's easier to do my job. I feel it's easier to live in this apartment. I feel it's easier to visit Zen Center. I feel it's easier to blah, 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 blah. I feel more encouraged. What is our impact? You know, they say the value of a person's life is not the things they accomplish, but the impact on the people around them while they were accomplishing it. That's the ripple effect that will be there after you die. Not praising self at the expense of others. It gets right to the heart of what we call the Bodhisattva vow in Buddhism. The Bodhisattva vow is living for the benefit of all beings, trying to live in a way that the people around me will suffer less, trying to be able to live in a way that I don't just cram, a, I don't just create a schedule for every single day where I can cram all of Michael's accomplishments into it but I actually intentionally try to live a way that has a little bit of space in my day so that I can be there for others. I've lived many years of my life where if you interrupted me during the day, even if I was nice, I was probably a little bothered because I had a schedule and there was no more time in it. It was all about me and getting my stuff done, my accomplishments, and all the things I was going to do. I needed to eat healthy, I needed to work out, I needed to socialize, I needed to do my job, I needed to do good at my job, I needed to have my goals, I needed to get my sleep, I needed to whatever. It's all like, you know, packed in there and like someone stops me and I'm just like, you know, I got to be nice, but you know, I got to get to my, get to my stuff. What's it like to live life where we're intentionally creating space that we might be able to help somebody else or listen to somebody else or show up for somebody in a spacious way. It's the Bodhisattva vow. It's letting go of the most important thing is me getting my stuff done, me having a good resume, me being liked, me having the promotion, me all, all that stuff. It's amazing what happens if you practice over and over again in little micro ways in little conversations, with little things, trying to give other people credit, trying to find ways where other people did good things. You know, it's amazing if you try to just spend a day trying to find ways that other people did stuff well, that you find all sorts of stuff that you never, ever comment on. And, and commenting on it just once to somebody sometimes makes their entire day or week. They're just like, wow, someone noticed that, you know? But all around us, there's people that are doing things very, very well every day. And just trying to find a way to be there for those people, to be someone who notices. Once you start noticing, you start noticing more. It's like you buy a Ford, you start noticing Fords. You know, you, whatever it is you notice, you start putting energy to. You start putting energy to. And you can do the, the, the thing where you go to the platform on BART or Muni, you know, and you just stand there and you think, who, who would I not normally notice? And you try to look and, 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 and realize that, yeah, there's some people that you just tend to notice and there's other people that you don't. Why is that? It's our own filter. And doing little things every day to just see how it is that I can live for the benefit of all beings. How, I, how it is that I can be there for other people. How it is that slowly, 
I might even start building some fearlessness into my life where I'm not so concerned if I trip and fall with my tray. That that might be okay. And doing that is just like being at that company retreat where you're falling backwards and everyone is catching you over and over again. The more you do it, the more you start to build faith that this actually works. So try it on for size. Practice it. Try to find ways where you can actually promote other people or notice ways where I'm trying to promote myself or notice ways where it just feels too important. It's just, it's just, I'm tight. I just like, I really need, I really need. And that looseness, that openness, that wideness, the whole reason why I even live in San Francisco is because I came here years ago with Citibank. They moved me here and I agreed to move here. I wasn't even going to move. I lived in Seattle. I liked Seattle. And this guy named Greg Hill lived here and he was a manager at Citibank and I didn't really want to get into banking and I couldn't even put my finger on it at the time. But what he did was everybody around him just succeeded and he just made you feel good. He, he just, he just succeeded. His team succeeded. And I always got, I always did well when I was around Greg and Greg was always telling people how I did well when I was around Greg. And he was telling me about how I did well when I was around Greg. And sometimes it wasn't so verbal. You can just tell in someone's body when they think, I accept you and I'm really grateful for how you are showing up. You can just tell that in someone's body and in their tone of voice, the gratitude that they like your presence. That is something that is a muscle that can be built but it's not something that happens naturally. Naturally, we're born and we want to protect the self. We want to get fed. We want to be warm. We want to be loved. We want to be liked. We want to survive. But at some point, we were way past surviving and we didn't even notice it and we kept with those traits. This precept goes to the heart of the Bodhisattva vow of living for the benefit of all beings. It's basically being invested in the lives of others and realizing that we're connected. If you've ever been on a team that was really supporting each other really well, you started to feel that. You started to feel that. If you've ever had a family or a group or an apartment with friends, or you start to notice like the connectedness that we have and you start to feel it. Learning how to live a fearless life with generosity of spirit for others, with infinite social capital. And even being fearless isn't the goal. Fearless is the result, just like a reputation. It's the result of seeing your interconnectedness and doing the experiment on a daily basis and seeing how the universe aligns with your spirit. Living life like we have the ultimate infinite social wealth, like a generous benefactor to all those around us, allows us great freedom of spirit 
And when we realize that promoting and worrying about the self is a small-minded path that leads to suffering, we start to see our interconnectedness and that none of us win until we all win. Thank you.